0: Although COVID has really messed up some people's Olympic plans and everything from it being delayed a year, it really has helped me because the past year has enabled me to develop so much further as a heptathlete. And I feel that I am worthy of a place at the Olympic Games and I am starting to bridge the gap.
1: I competed for GB 10 years in a row as a senior. I look back now, I think, my goodness, that's pretty good actually. But when you're in it, you don't appreciate it.
2: Welcome back to the England Athletics Podcast. This episode features not only one of Britain's most exciting rising stars in Holly Mills, but also her coach, the Olympic sprinter and Commonwealth gold medalist, Laura Turner-Elaine. Together, they look to have formed a great partnership. Holly, a previous winner of European and Commonwealth youth titles in the long jump, decided to take on the challenge of switching the heptathlon in 2018. Three years later, the 21-year-old is in contention to compete at the Olympic Games. So, lots of questions to ask. Why make the switch? How can it be approached physically and mentally from the perspective of coach and athlete? Our discussion started with me reminding them of Laura's post on social media about how the relationship began. Um, You said, Holly decided to switch events to the heptathlon. She asked me to help her. From that moment, I watched her unrivaled focus, commitment, a desire to learn, and attention to detail around everything she does. She was rewarded with a place in the GB team after her first ever heptathlon and finished fourth in Europe in her second ever. Keep an eye on this young lady, she's going places. (laughs) Well, just take me back to that time when. Holly came to you you know was there a knock on the door what was that moment like when when she came to you
1: so I was sat at my dining table which is where I'm at right now this is weird (laughs) and and she sent me an email and I didn't really know Holly and we'd been to the World Juniors that summer and Holly had done long jump there and I was there as the sprints coach I knew of Holly but we hadn't really spoken very much um, up to that point it just said I'm coming to Brunel the coach I was meant to be training with isn't going to be there anymore. Can you coach me? Oh, by the way, I want to do heptathlon. <laughs> so I was like, oh, my God. And I, I don't take people who ask me that late on. But obviously her situation was slightly different. Uh, I thought, oh, why not? Let's, let's do it. And obviously I knew that she was a good athlete. We chatted on the phone. We enlisted Rafa Joseph at the time as well because I knew that I didn't know as much as I needed to about multi-events at that point and yeah that's how it all started.
2: Okay really interesting Holly what was that like from your point of view? I think you said in an in interview that you thought well why not give the heptathlon a crack at this point?
0: I'd done predominantly long jump from the age of eight until I was 18 and I would dabbled around a little bit in the hurdles in the past maybe done a couple of odd races here and there and a couple of sprints like the 100 and 200 so I knew that I could do more than long jump, even though at all major champs I'd only ever done long jump. And I kind of just thought, I'm moving away from home. I'm starting uni. I'm going to be with a new coach, new environment. And it was after I'd had probably my worst season to long jump up to date at that point. And I think that was just the final push for me to say, it's time for a new challenge. I need to kind of explore what other. Abilities that I might have inside athletics, I'd say it was a pretty good decision on my part. So, yes, it was good.
2: It seems that way, doesn't it? I suppose, though, a poor season, as I think you put it, or bad season by your standards, uh, isn't that bad a season because prior to that, you had won the European um, Youth Championships, which was in Georgia, and then you got to go to the Bahamas, which is something that most people in life would be very envious of you you had a great grounding in first of all the long jump and second of all actually being on a stage where you had the opportunity to be part of teams and be successful.
0: I was 16 when I went to the European Youth Champs and I think at the time I wasn't pitted to even get a medal or let alone win it. So when I did win it, that obviously turned quite a bit of attention onto me for my youth career. I mean, my parents always just say, oh, it's for the experience and stuff. And I think that my first champs really was for experience. I'd never really been away without my parents or never been part of a a team going abroad and stuff. So in the UK, if it was like a national champs in the UK where I was expected to win and stuff there, I'd feel a lot more pressure because people were looking at me thinking, oh, Holly Mills is in the competition. She's obviously going to win. Without expectation, I just had no pressure on myself. And I just remember it. Just being really young and having just a good time and making friends and all the things that a champ should be for your first championships, I think. And then going into the Bahamas the following year was an incredible experience. It was my first experience of actually going into a major championship, the favourite to win. Having those experiences from being younger and going away with teams, going all over the world to places like the Bahamas, which was incredible, has definitely helped to develop me into a kind of more rounded athlete now.
2: You've also for example been the team captain too so at the European under 20 championships in uh, in Sweden you were part of the the heptathlon that I just mentioned uh, where you finished fourth and the long jump as well but you were also the, the captain suggesting maybe the, some of those qualities that Laura uh, mentioned about you being driven to to pursue the heptathlon. Is that come with part of your character that you're someone who just has a lot of confidence with trying new things?
0: My personality has definitely been developed through athletics. Like my parents will always say, like, they can't believe the level of confidence that I have now compared to when I was younger. Even up until kind of European youth in 2016, I would have probably been one of the quietest members on the team and I would have really struggled speaking to people but that Europeans um, in 2019 when I was team captain was a real honour for me because it was kind of a big milestone um, in my career where for the first time like I felt completely confident talking in front of everyone in front of the team when I had to give my team captain speech and competing in the heptathlon as well as the long jump and just being really really involved in Team GB at those championships that was definitely one of my favorite competitions that I've ever been a part of because I mean I'd worked really hard to get up to that point in my I mean it was my second ever heptathlon and those 10 months before had been a complete shock to my system um training for heptathlon was very different to training for long jump as you can expect yes my body had taken a very big shock but also mentally my attitude over those 10 months and beyond that, for the past two three years that I've been with Laura and West London Track and Field, my personality has definitely got bigger. Being
1: part of the whole setup has definitely helped with that.
2: Laura, what about your first international best?
1: So mine was nowhere near as glamorous. Mine was 2002. It was a GB under-23 international. I'd come fourth at the, the England champs, but everyone must have dropped out. So they phoned me up as a kind of a last 15th reserve or whatever. And it was in Cumbran in Wales. And I probably said that wrong. <laughs> in my first international, but I was 20 going on 21. So I was a little bit older when I got my first GB vest.
2: What do you remember from that day coming away feeling?
1: To be honest, I don't remember much from that first one. For me, I've always... I, I'm a very ambitious person and...
2: You knew that was only the start?
1: Yeah, I felt like I belonged... I just felt like it wasn't a big deal. I was like, yep, this is the next thing on the, on the ladder kind of thing, this is the next step for me. The following year, I went to the European Under-23 Championships and I was taken... Again, I was like fifth or sixth from the relay squad so I ran the heat of the relay and I was expected to be taken out for the final but um, the coaches there... They said they were impressed with me in the heat and they kept me in for the final and, and subbed out someone else. That was when I realised, oh, all right, I, I think I could be all right at this. But it was the faith that those coaches, it was Clarence Callender and Donovan Reed, I'll give them a shout out. They were, the, they were the GB relay coaches and they really gave me my first break, I guess. And it grew from there for sure.
2: What's the moment when you get the kit like wearing it for the first time, Great Britain kit? Do you remember that?
1: Yes,
0: definitely. I mean, It was one of the most exciting moments in my athletic career, probably the first time where you get your suitcase delivered through the post and it has all your kit in and I still unpackage it all and try it all on, even though I've had it several times before. But the first time that you ever get it and you're kind of there and your parents go and take a picture of you in it. And my parents still have those pictures on their phone from when I first wore my GB kit and very very exciting and I was just very shocked by how much we got. We got like six t-shirts and all these leggings and you get all your competition kit and you just walk around the house trying it all on and yeah no no kit that I get will probably be as special as my first GB kit.
2: What would your parents say about your athletic career today? What have they said?
0: They post every single competition I do. If I ever go on Facebook or something afterwards they'll do a whole post about me and everything. But yeah they're just the proudest parents ever really they have wholeheartedly supported my whole journey throughout athletics and it won't matter how far they have to drive me the expense of it how time consuming it is they have definitely definitely given a large proportion of their life towards me kind of achieving my goals and my dreams and yeah they remind me very often after every single competition They're very, very proud people and they just want me to succeed and be happy in doing so.
2: Brilliant. So many parents (laughs) have done so many motorway miles. There almost (laughs) needs to be a reward scheme for parents based on the number of motorway hours.
0: (laughs) There really does.
2: Laura, from a coaching perspective, how do you even begin to direct someone branching out towards the heptathlon in such a way? It's quite different to an athlete starting out at the very start of their journey in athletics giving everything a go it's a bit different to that isn't it
1: yeah it was it was uh <laughs> I had to do a lot of uh, reading and talking to people and, and kind of sitting down and thinking about this there was a lots of basic things that I saw you know I was coming from a sprints and hurdles background and I'm, I'm a very simple person and I say to the athletes all the time training will be boring because I'm not here to entertain you I'm here to help you develop and grow and we're going to learn the basic stuff and we're going to learn the basic stuff and do it really really well There's a lot of basic things that Holly, that we're having to still develop within Holly. So her her running mechanics has improved a lot, but in my opinion, there's still quite a bit of a way to go. There's still quite a bit of work to do around her foot and ankle complex, which we're not able to work on at the moment because we're still dealing with kind of knee and hip issues. So that's what I did at the start. I just stripped everything back. I said to her, right, I know that level you've been at. I know you've jumped this and the long jump and you've won all these medals, but I'm looking at you as a long-term project and I'm gonna strip everything back and start again. And she's like, yep, yeah, brilliant, I'm on board, let's do it. Which, thank goodness uh, she was, otherwise that would have been a difficult conversation.
2: <laughs> it's almost like I've entered a, a sort of parents' evening, end of term school report <laughs> um, <laughs> discussion. But, I mean, there have been so many sort of eye-catching big improvements. One was in the shot put, where I think you, you threw over 14 metres just days after going over 13 metres. I remember being at the British universities where I think you might have taken nearly a second off your best on your way to a medal in the sprint hurdles. And then it was the same. You, you got personal best rights from the start of the uh, heptathlon at those European under 20 championships. And I made the remark on commentary that perhaps Holly Mills is someone for whom just improvement is waiting to come because You're training towards these events more than you ever have done before. You've got more focus on them before. So, what's that been like for you to continually improve?
0: Those vast improvements and PBs and heptathlon scores and stuff, I experience very differently to obviously the audience watching because I'm there doing the training like day in, day out. I see all of the really bad sessions, the really good sessions, and the tiny little increments that we improve by like day by day, week by week. And they're so, so small, but really, really significant at the same time. So like you mentioned, my shot put, that's been really hard work. While it was a shock to everyone else, because over last summer, when we were in lockdown and the few competitions that we got to do, I was only throwing mid 11s, just creeping towards the 12 metres. And then this year indoors, I come out and throw 13 and then a week later, 14. It wasn't too much of a shock because we knew the training that had gone into that. And we knew week by week we'd put centimetre by centimetre on. So although it was a massive jump, it was expected and unexpected at the same time. And I think that goes for everything that I'm doing with Heptathlon with me and Laura both know kind of what I'm capable of, What our goals kind of are in each event for the season and stuff. And we know that, but we've just been chipping away at the same rock for so long. And then all of a sudden you just get a massive crack and you break through. That's definitely something that I see happening in every single one of my events, because sometimes I go backwards before I go forwards. And sometimes I just have to chip away for a long time. Yes. While it seems like we're doing massive jumps and we must be doing something magical in training for me to, put meters on my PB and stuff. It's things that have been a long time coming, but I just haven't managed to put them together in competition all the time.
2: Laura, I suppose you're someone who has the experience of going through what Holly's going through in terms of developing into a senior athlete. Pretty much everyone who's made that transition will tell you that progression won't always be linear. You won't always improve year by year. Holly mentioned When she was a long jumper, going from winning titles, maybe having a a poor season. Do you have a job from a coaching perspective to keep one's head focused, knowing that there will be days where you don't improve? And is that part of your job, just seeing the wider perspective?
1: That is absolutely my job. She came to the conclusion, actually, that she'd focused too much on the outcome. And she was obsessed with this qualifying. She wanted to jump 6.25. And I think she jumped everything around 6.25, but not quite 6.25. But having looked back, she realised that actually she thought about that whole thing wrong and she should have thought more about the process and the outcome. So our whole three years has been me banging on about process and what is it we're working on, how we achieved that? And like Holly says, it's little things chipping away every single day. People that know me will know that I'm very good at keep, keeping people's feet on the ground. So yeah, she scored 6.180 and yeah, she's done this and she's done that. but. Um, we still take the mickey out of her when she's at training and we still remind her that she's not regular at javelin, you know all the all these things we make sure that she doesn't uh she's never getting a big head or she's never being arrogant that's just not her style but yeah the people around her certainly keep her grounded
2: and what about you what about how does laura turner lane the athlete differ from laura turner lane the coach
1: i'm certainly a very different coach or a very different person to the the coach I was when I started coaching and I'm certainly completely different to how I was when I was an athlete. Mm, Why is that? Uh, As an athlete I was really serious I felt like I took things for granted so when you're when you're an athlete and you're looking year on year you're looking at world champs and it's Olympics and it's Commonwealth Games and it's Europeans and you're always just focused on the next championships and I never really took time to appreciate what it was I was doing I compete for GB 10 years in a row as a senior. I look back now, I think, my goodness, that's pretty good actually. But when you're in it, you don't appreciate it. So certainly my job as a coach, I think having had that experience as an athlete, I'm really keen to make sure that the athletes are being present and appreciating what they're doing at that moment in time. Yes, obviously we look into, you know, we've got targets and goals set for, for the future, but just making sure they appreciate and enjoy what they've got right now because that's certainly something that i didn't do as an athlete
2: that's really interesting something else is is the fact that you are female athlete coach duo it was actually mentioned on uh, twitter tweet by the female coaching network that i think you were the first female coach selected to be on coaching team for british Athletics.
1: I was actually out there as the, as the speed team coach with Benki Blonquist, and then obviously personal coach to Holly. She was the only multi-ventor out there. So by default, I, I was out there with her as well. I couldn't believe the stats. And we, we've gone back and checked um, the female coach network because the lady that runs it, Vicky, she, um, she went back quite a few years and we've got the stats from British Athletics. I think it's the first female team coach at a championships for British athletics so not at Olympic Games or Commonwealth Games we've certainly had female coaches at Commonwealth Games mm. it's quite shocking really I, I, I'm i obviously happy that and honoured that they asked me to, to do the role and I, I think I did it pretty well and I enjoyed it but I look at it more as, as, as a bit sad in a way that that is the case but hopefully now that has been highlighted there'll be many more female coaches out there who will get a chance to fulfill the same roles.
2: Do you think it adds an extra affinity, Holly, having a a female coach?
1: I mean, mine and Laura's
0: relationship is just really good anyway. And I don't know whether that's because we're both women and we can both relate to each other and we both hold the same kind of values. It's not the rarest thing in the world. But I mean, when we went to um, Multistars recently, of the 36 athletes that were there, I think Laura counted that there was only three or four female coaches, including herself. Which obviously isn't much. So, especially in the multi events kind of arena, there aren't a great deal of female coaches. So, yes, for our partnership to be a female athlete, female coach is really nice. And it's taking steps in the right direction to kind of hopefully inspire other female coaches to take up coaching alone and multi events coaching to kind of push more females into coaching roles, really.
2: What would make you proud? if you're able to achieve something as a next step on the ladder in the next year or two? Because there there could be so many things at your, at your fingertips. Clearly, you're someone who, who has a, a wise head on young shoulders anyway. But what would you like to achieve?
0: I mean, the short term for this year, as I'm sure many people are aware, after I got the Olympic B standard qualifying is definitely to qualify for the Olympic Games and be part of that team that goes to Tokyo. Although COVID has really messed up some people's Olympic plans and everything from it being delayed a year, it really has helped me because the past year has enabled me to develop so much further as a heptathlete. And I feel that I am worthy of a place at the Olympic Games. And I am starting to bridge the gap between novice heptathlete and kind of, getting up towards being more of an elite at heptathlete obviously I still have a long way to go but this year's definitely feels like it's the first time where I'm stepping on the stage and I'm like okay I'm starting to arrive now and people are starting to appreciate that I am a heptathlete so to get onto the Olympic team as a heptathlete which will be probably my fifth heptathlon ever would be an incredible achievement definitely that is my aim for this year
2: Excitement is building for the Commonwealth Games as well. That could be on the horizons. A great stepping stone for, well, Neve Emerson winning a medal and growing through that. It would be, I suppose, maybe your first major home championships mm. as well.
0: It couldn't be more perfect, really. The Commonwealth Games being in Birmingham next year, it would be an absolutely incredible experience to be able to compete in front of a home crowd and yeah, I would just absolutely love to do that. It probably will be one of the only championships that will be in front of a home crowd in my athletic career. Yeah, it would just be crazy to do that. It would be really, really exciting.
2: Brilliant. Well done to both of you for everything you've achieved so far in the sport. Look forward to to more of it this year, Olympics or otherwise.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much.
2: Well, good luck to Holly and Laura for this year. Certainly in the mix for Olympic qualification, Following. Holly's recent 6,180-point score in Italy that was mentioned there. And just to explain that there are 24 Olympic heptathlon places, 6,420 points is the World Athletics Qualifying Standard, the so-called A standard, if you like, obtained by the likes of Katerina Johnson-Thompson, the world champion. Outside of that, being high enough in the world rankings, is important. Holly has done enough to be considered for selection by British Athletics and if she can achieve another big performance to boost her place up the rankings, even better. As for the Commonwealth Games selection policy, well, more details have recently been announced by England Athletics and our team leader for the Games, Kelly Southerton, has been going through some of the basics with Rob Walker.
3: So the qualification period is from the 1st of January 2021 to the 12th of June, 2022.
4: So does that mean that the team is chosen on the 13th of June?
3: So what will happen is after the 12th of June, on the 13th of June, a selection panel will convene and we'll look at everybody who's qualified within that period of hitting the standard. And then we will then nominate a team to Commonwealth Games England on that day. So
4: how long after that will successful athletes actually be told they are definitively part of the England team for the Commonwealth Games?
3: So the process is we will advise athletes by uh, the 14th of June that they've been nominated to Commonwealth Games England for selection. And then we have an appeals process in between that. And by the 21st of June of 2022 is when we will ratify the team for nomination to Commonwealth Games England. And after ratification from Commonwealth Games England, then the team will be announced when England Athletics and Commonwealth Games England decide. So probably within that week.
4: Some of the best races I've commentated on at the COM Games involve the para-athletes. Uh, what's the selection procedure for
3: them? So there's something different with the para-athletics events. Their qualification period opens on the 31st of December 2020, and it closes on the 31st of December 2021. The difference is, is they have an invitation from the Commonwealth Games Federation, which will come through in January, February of 2022. And from then on, we will accept every invitation that the Commonwealth Games Federation sends us.
4: So does that mean then that para-athletes would definitively know, probably by the end of Feb in 2022?
3: Yeah, so we're hoping to inform every para-athlete by the end of February of 2022, so they'll have a lot more time to prepare, which is brilliant and it's advantageous for them and us, obviously, so we can work with them those six months leading into the game. So, yeah, they will get to be the first team um, members of Team England for track and field. OK,
4: so we know that there isn't a specific one-off trial event for athletes for anything other than the marathon, which we'll come on to in a moment. So how do they qualify?
3: So England Athletics has set a number of standards for every event that will be at the Games. It's important that the athletes get as many standards as possible. Um, there's lots of different factors how we'll select an athlete. They'll be based upon Commonwealth Games ranking at the time of selection, which is the 13th of June 2022. It'll also look at the consistency performances and their head-to-heads against other athletes in their event. Um, and there's also other factors that may come into play.
4: OK. so. You've mentioned as many qualification times or distances, jumps, throws as possible. How many to, to be on the table for selection? Is it two? Is it four? Or is it just as many as possible? What's the minimum number?
3: In an ideal world, we want athlete to qualify every time they step on the track, to be selected in round one you need to have at least two qualification standards, but also be very highly ranked, if not at top of the Commonwealth Games ranking, at the date that we do the selection meeting.
4: Okay, that all seems pretty clear and straightforward for the track and field athletes. So what about the the stamina boys and girls then? How do the marathon runners make it?
3: We thought it was really important that we give the marathon runners the most time to prepare. So we're going to hold a trial event at the London Marathon on the 24th of April, 2022, where the first man and first woman in the elite races will automatically be selected for Team England.
4: Okay, what happens then, for instance, if an athlete runs an absolute blinder in this forthcoming autumn's London Marathon but is injured for some reason for April 2022. Will their London Marathon from this year count for qualification in 2022?
3: Should there be any athletes who run the qualification standard and then we feel that their medal potential for the Games in 2022, we will also select them at that point. But I must stress that no qualification times for the marathon will be accepted after April the 24th, 2022.
4: You've said one of your criteria for selection is current form. What is the time window for that?
3: So current form is from the 1st of January of 2022 to the 12th of June 2022. And it's important for us because it gives athletes a a longer opportunity to qualify, but also within the year of competition. So it brings in the indoor and outdoor seasons. Because there's not a lot of outdoor season to gain a qualification um, standard, we felt it was important to bring in the indoor season to give every athlete the chance to perform and to gain more qualification standards.
4: The first thing every single athlete is going to do when they look at this selection policy is go straight to the performance they need to produce in their own event. How have you come up with those specific heights, distances and times?
3: So what we've done is looked over what it takes to win a medal over numerous games over the last 30 years and judge what it takes to win a medal, what it takes to come top five, what it takes to make a final. And from those statistics, we've come up with these standards, which we hope will then at least give athletes athlete an opportunity if they're hitting these standards, they're in with a chance of making the final and also a medal.
4: Well, another very important but basic question, how many athletes can you pick per event?
3: So we're able to pick three athletes per event but obviously this is subject to confirmation of our team size which we'll get in due course from Commonwealth Games England.
4: You and I both know there's so much emotion attached to an athlete being selected or otherwise inevitably there will be some who wants to appeal a decision they don't like. How do they do that?
3: There is an appeals policy that will be attached to the main selection policy And it's really, really important that athletes read that appeals policy before they then do an appeal.
4: If anyone watches this and reads the selection policy but still wants further clarification on something, who should they contact?
3: So we have a great team that have pulled together this selection policy and we have somebody within each area. So we have Sharni Palmer, who's in charge of speed. We have Spencer DeVal in charge of endurance, Darren Ritchie in charge of jumps and combined events and Nick Ridgeon, who's in, in charge of throws. So they can be contacted at any time through their email address or phone. Subsequently, there is an email address within the policy. Should there be any questions regarding the policy itself, they can direct that question there and we'll answer that.
2: Well, thanks to Kelly Southerton for answering those questions. More information on the Commonwealth Games Selection Policy is of course available at englandathletics.org, our website. That's it for this episode though. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for next
0: month's podcast.